In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the lab time, and we're switching things up today. We're going to get really weird, and we're not getting weird just because I'm outside in front of a brick wall because my family is raising hell inside. We're getting weird in another sort of way, John Harris. You doing all right today? I'm doing okay, man. That's uh, I'm kind of the same, except I'm in this contained. This is we call this the Zoom room. <laughs> uh, that's my wife's beautiful painting back there, which you've seen a few times. Pretty cool. Uh, which she did uh, many, many years ago, which has adorned every house we've ever lived in, which is beautiful. Um, but this is our Zoom room, so it's kind of blocked off from everybody else. Um, so it's it's kind of nice, but yeah, I think my family is still raising hell too. I'm with yeah. you. I don't know what was going on for the first month of this pandemic. I was doing everything out of the master bedroom and it was separated. It was fine. And then right around the draft, internet connectivity went to hell and I don't know what's going on. So I'm outside on the other side of a wall from the, the Wi-Fi box with banging <laughs> internet, but it's also the living room and that's where the kids are. And I can't just like banish them to a different part of the house. Anyways, there's a lot going on post-draft normally. The OTAs are about to start kicking like Van Dam, but that's all on a virtual setting right now. So we're not able to watch these guys practice. We're not able to meet with them face-to-face. So what I want to do today is I want to play a game called Where Were You When? I'm not going to get specific about Where Were You When comes from, but a long time ago, one of my friends was telling a story about, uh, my friend was a bartender and he heard this guy tried to pick up this girl and like there was a lull in the conversation and the guy just turned to her and he goes, so where were you when? And he was referencing some, some big event that had just happened in the world. And yeah. uh, we just like thought that was the funniest thing. So whenever a C list celebrity does something wrong or yeah. there's breaking news in a weird area, we'll just type WWYW, where were you when? So yeah, kind of like where were you when Kennedy got assassinated or where were you when you heard World War II ended? Well, in a sort of way, we're going to do that with the Texans. So I'm going to say, John, where were you when Seth Payne and Gary Walker sacked Quincy Carter to seal the 1910 victory back in 2002? Well, that's a good one. I, I want to start with the Kennedy one, though. I obviously was not born. Yeah. Um, but that was my mother's birthday, November 22nd, 1963. And she had a, they had a birthday party scheduled that day. They were going to get together. I think she was a freshman in high school, eighth grade freshman high school, and they were going to get together, have a party with some friends. And then president Kennedy, uh, got shot in Dallas and, uh, and it canceled everything. It changed everything. And also years later, my, when I met my wife, her brother, uh, middle brother was born on that day, November wow. 22nd, 1963. So it's got kind of a weird connotation. Um, but uh, for Gary Walker and Seth Payne's sack, I was time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. For the record, on this podcast, we will always accept any and all questions, comments, theories regarding the Kennedy assassination. You told your story about it. I actually yeah. took a class in it in college at SMU because, you know, SMU is just up the road from where all not. that happened in Dallas. So I consider myself a harebrained, kind of half-assed Kennedy assassination expert. Oh, so I'll take awesome. any and all chit-chat about the Kennedy assassination. Anyways, back to the sack and back to 1910. 
I was I was at my house in North Carolina in 2002. We had just um, moved back to North Carolina. I had finished my master's. Um, basically, the way that my master's was structured, I went for one summer, did a bunch of class, then I went and worked, and then I went back the following summer, and I had just finished that summer. May Garner, my daughter, um, was just man, she was born that summer. So she was just a handful of months by the time that happened. So I guarantee you watching that game, I was probably asleep because it was on the, we were on the East coast. Yeah. So it was also an hour ahead. So I guarantee you by the time that they sacked, they sacked Quincy Carter, I was probably deep in sleep (laughs) with these two knuckleheads being uh, little tiny kids. So being infants in one case, but um, I remember I recorded it on VCR, which shows you, I recorded on VCR and watched it the next day. And it was just, just seeing the fans excitement in Houston and seeing football back again was just such a cool, such a cool moment. It was bananas. I was, so I graduated high school in 96 and went off to college in Dallas. And I worked in Dallas for the first four years after I graduated. So basically by the time the Oilers left, uh, through that time, the, the Texans got there. I was sort of detached from things. I wasn't yeah. here. I wasn't, I mean, I followed from afar, but it's just not the same. And so I kind of was numb to everything. But then that week before I was producing a TV show in Dallas. And that week before we had Vandermeer on via satellite. And I didn't know Vandermeer back then. I just booked him because <laughs> yeah. that's the voice of the yeah. Texans. And he yeah. came on and he did a segment side by side, kind of like how we're, we're doing now, but he yeah. did a segment with the guy, Kevin Blackestone, who was a columnist for oh, the Dallas yeah. Morning News at the time. And, uh, you know, he predicted the Texans would win. Blackestone said, I'll wear a bag over my head if that happens. And so I kind of was like, I was excited because <laughs> I'm a Houstonian. And I was living with a bunch of people who are, they like Dallas. They like the Cowboys and all that stuff. And they didn't yeah. take, take the, anything seriously. So we had a, a party at our apartment that night. And it was fun. I was obnoxious uh, to them that night. As well you should have Great been. time. Yeah. As and then the, well next day, the next day we had Blackstone and Vandermeer back on the program and Blackstone was true to his word. He did the whole show with a bag over his head. It was pretty fun. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. If they went so, over, but it's, it's not McLean eating the newspaper. No, but it's pretty darn. It's pretty it's good. Pretty close. It's pretty good. Okay. Next, where were you when, where were you when the Texans took Mario Williams first? Oh, Okay. Well, you found so, out the news that they were going to sign him ahead of the draft. Okay. I, this one I remember distinctly. Um, this is 2006. And it's, it's about three or four months before I got the call from our good friend, John Granado, saying that he was starting a radio station and he wanted me to come back to Houston and be in the afternoon. So this is a few months before that. So I had been with John and Lance on their morning show doing, doing, um, college football stuff so and I lived in North Carolina so I knew plenty about Mario Williams and leading up to that draft I remember writing his scouting report and I said man whoever is picking second in this draft is going to get one heck of a player and I mean I was really impressed with him I just didn't think there was any way the Texans being a new franchise needing just an infusion of a fun and talent that there was any way they would turn away from Reggie Bush I happened to be out at Elon College the home of Josh Norris uh, who writes for Roto World, a friend of ours. And uh, I was out at Elon College for some reason, and I was driving back home. So I don't know why I was out there. I, I, don't, I don't remember distinctly why, but I just remember where I was. And Elon Stadium is kind of 
built at the back end of the campus and it's just surrounded by trees and it's like this beautiful little location for an FCS school. And so I remember driving right by the stadium and seeing it like, oh man, there's a stadium. It's so beautiful. And I hear an update come on the radio saying that the Texans have decided to draft Mario Williams. And I nearly ran off the road. <laughs> and about 10 minutes later, I got a call from a guy that I worked with in, in, um, in Raleigh. And he was a huge NC State fan. And he called me wanting to know whether it was true or not. And I was like, I have no idea. I called Lance. Um, he was the one person I knew really well. I called him and I was like, is this true? Are they drafting Mario? He goes, yeah. He goes, I just heard the same thing. But I'll never forget, I was driving right by Elon Football Stadium, and I'm hearing this news, and I'm like, they're going to draft Mario. Like, I couldn't I, – there was a part of me that was like, I couldn't believe it. But then the other part of me was, it's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick at all. Um, it's just not Reggie. And, of course, it was at that time when the stuff about Reggie and all the agent stuff and what he had going on was coming out. And so it was just kind of this perfect storm of, you know what, we're going to take Mario. We just think he's going to impact our team a little bit more. And having seen him up close and, and seen him play at NC State, I thought, it's not a horrible move whatsoever. But I just knew the fans of Houston were so set on it being Reggie Bush um, that it just caught me so off guard that Friday, the night before, just driving right by Elon Stadium and hearing that news. Yeah, I just thought the clear, smart choice was Vince Young because I covered yeah. him in college. I, was, I grew up in this area. I saw him. You know, I, I went, to, went to Austin when Texas Tech was – I think they were like ninth or 10th. It was early in the season, probably like mid-October. They were undefeated. Texas was undefeated. And they smoked the Red yeah. Raiders. I mean, they smoked Texas Tech. I and mean, that was a pretty good Tech team. And I just seen enough of it. And then, you know, the, the national title game, I was like, it's a clear choice. You have a yeah. bad quarterback. You need a good quarterback. And this guy's <laughs> from your hometown. He played it at the, the – he just won a national title. This is easy. And so I was sitting in my desk or at my desk in my office in Lubbock getting my, you know, Friday night sportscast ready because I think it came out around 7 or 8 o'clock on yeah, Friday night. It did. Uh, at least that's yep. when the news got to Lubbock. So – I just shook my head. I was like, I'm done with that team. You know, like I thought it was such a clear cut choice. I was like, that's the dumbest move they could possibly make. So that's the night before yeah. the draft because the draft back then was Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Mm -hmm. and so I, you know, I had that on the newscast that night and then I had to go in the next morning for some Red Raider baseball, I think voice work. I had to, you know, do some highlights for a game that they had played in. And by that point, the second round was starting. And the Texans took D'Amico Ryans. And I've told you this story a bunch, but yeah. they took D'Amico Ryans, and I was like, all right, I, I like that pick a whole lot. He was the <laughs> first pick of the second round. I had just seen him with Alabama beat yeah. the Red Raiders in the Cotton Bowl. Exactly, in the Cotton Bowl. He had a couple sacks. He looked like he'd been shot out of a cannon. I had interviewed him. He was a smart guy. I was like, that's a great pick. So I was like, I don't like that first-round pick, but I'll tell you, okay, that, <laughs> that second-round pick really brought me back in. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where I was. I was in Lubbock, Texas in the 806 back when the Texans took Mario Williams. All right. Where were you when the Texans drafted J.J. Watt? So 2011 was my first – it was my first year doing overnights. And I was at Yahoo Sports Radio. And it was the first year since, you know, so 2008, 9, 10, you know, we did the draft show, me and uh, at 1560 – 
with me, Lance, Sean Pendergast would be the three of us. Um, Granado would pop on at some point after a few pops. And so that was always entertaining. And so I was actually doing a national show with two national guys and the national guys really didn't know who I was. They were the weekend guys. And I can't remember their names off the top of my head anyways. So they had me and they're like, okay, you're going to kind of be the, you know, the expert with these two. And I was like, okay, well, it's just kind of what I do anyway. So sure. And so the draft starts and as each player is picked, I'm just breaking each guy down and they're kind of looking at me each time, like, Whoa. And so when, when Watt gets drafted, and this is where, for me, it was, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, were not happier. They were like, whoa, what's going on? Why, why, why did you have to watch so many other good players? You know, a lot of people wanted, um, uh, gosh, the name Nick escapes Fairley. me. Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley. Nick, yeah, Nick Fairley from, from Auburn. Even Robert Quinn was still on the board. Um, both of them had a little bit of baggage, but Watt's taken. And my, but yeah, my, my dad was born and raised in Wisconsin and still has ties to the state of Wisconsin. And so every time the Badgers were on, without fail, every time the Badgers were on, my mom would call me and she would say, well, we're over here watching the Badgers and that J.J. Watt is just killing it. I mean, just <laughs> every time. I mean, they were huge fans of J.J. Watt. And when I watched J.J., I thought, boy, this guy's a really good player. He's a lot better than people think. And then you match it up with his measurables – and I just thought, this guy – and I went back – and it's funny, Drew. I went back and I looked at my scouting report for J.J. about four or five years later. And my scouting report was dead on. It was dead on. But I just wasn't sure at that point what they were going to do with him. They were going to a 3-4. He struck me as a 4-3 defensive end. I was like, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Because you had Mario but, Williams. You had Mario Williams. You had Antonio right, Smith. Right. And so I've kind of wondered where he was going to go, how he's going to fit. I said – but he's going to be a really good player. There's no question in my mind. So after that, we had our local 1560 show that was going on. So I got in a break of the national show. I went down the hallway and they brought me on that show from, they were doing it at a remote location. And so they asked me about it and I could hear in the background. I could just hear when I came on. And at first I thought people were booing me. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> but they wanted my thoughts on, on the pick. And basically what I said to him was, he's an excellent football player. He totally is deserving of the number 11 pick in the draft. I'm just curious to see what they're going to end up doing with him. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't think I should have taken him. I'm just like, I want to see kind of how it fits, but they've got a really good player. But yeah, we were, we were in Houston. I was doing concurrent draft shows at the time. I, um, I remember when the Texans picked him, I thought, huh, Cause I didn't know a whole lot about him, yeah. but I wasn't, I, I'd known enough at that point. Like you got to wait to see what these guys do before you just yeah. totally praise or totally pan a pick. But I was kind of in the same boat as you. He was like, well, where, where's he going to play? And then Nick Skirfield, who used to work with the Texans, he found out through the grapevine internally, like a few minutes after the pick that the Texans were going to move Mario Williams to outside linebacker. So yeah. that wasn't really known. That wasn't well known, yeah. but uh, I think it came out in the day or so later. But I was up in the press box because they used to do the draft uh, coverage up in the press box if you're a local media type. So I was up yeah. there, and the next morning I went out to the airport with Sean Washington. He used to do the, the player coordination stuff, and yeah. I was there with a camera, and J.J. came out of the secure area. I put the microphone on him and followed mm -hmm. him. And I was in the limousine with he and his family, and, and 
got him catching his first glimpse of Houston. It was pretty fun. But I was like you. I was like, oh, well, where is he actually going to play? And he, he wound up in the, the right spot. But I was impressed with him yeah. when I met him uh, the next morning. Same as I was with Merciless the next year. Yeah. And with Hopkins the year after that, I got to meet those three guys and, and ride with them in the, in the limo home from the airport. So that was a, that was a fun where were you when. But yeah. that's going to wrap it up for this where were you when stroll down memory lane because I wanted to kind of do it before we were really – before I really knew you and uh, yeah. through a few of the big moments in franchise history, there's a lot more moments we could go over, but if you're watching this or listening to this and you're still around, tweet at us, let us know yeah. what was your, where were you, your WWYW moment with the Texans <laughs> for each of the ones we brought up another good moment that you might've uh, wanted to know where we were. We'll, we'll tweet back at you, but it's uh, at Jay Harris football and then at Doherty drew on Twitter. So hit us up, but John, you want to do this again sometime? Yeah. I'd like to do it in person, though. I, I like do. Zoom. It's cool. I can see you and all, but I'd rather do it live and in person. And hopefully that time is coming soon. But I miss you. Yeah, if this you. is what we've got to do, so be it. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. But, yeah, this is fun. Let's do it next week. You know, you bring that up. Uh, so I haven't seen you in person since, you know, before this all started. So what, like St. Patty's Day, maybe before that, around the, before that time? that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it was the same with DP Sidhu. It's the same with all my coworkers, really. Yeah. Well, last week I went up to uh, my high school because they're having their auction, and DP's one of her sons goes to that high school now. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah. so we helped. She and I helped do a virtual. We kind of recorded some like introductions to some of the items that yeah, were yeah, getting yeah. auctioned off. But we were we were very far apart. We were about seven feet away. We never got close. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that was up there stayed close. There was four of us total. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, that's the first time I'd seen her in person in yeah. a month. It was weird, you know, cause we're around each other. You, me, Mark, her, mm-hmm. the rest of the crew, we're around each other all the time. Right. You know, we travel together. So it's, it's just been odd, uh, being, being this distance, you know, not that well, I'm breaking any news or anything cause everyone is going through this, but it's, it was sort of, of course. fun theater. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because the, if you remember that the last week that we you might have been in the office the following week, but after we got back from the combine, Mark went on vacation. Yeah. So I did that whole week with Seth in the morning. That's and then right. yeah. you yeah. and I and DP were doing radio that whole week. Yeah. And I went on vacation. So I told Mark, I was like, you know, I haven't seen you since the combine. That's like the wow. combine was the last time because he was on vacation at, yeah. that next week. Then I went on vacation that next week. And it's been it's been since then because I saw y'all during that week after because we were doing radio. But it's it's been that long. I told him that on radio last night. And it's an eternity uh, ago. It seems. It, I mean, it feels like the combine was years ago, years yeah. ago. But it's been that long. So yeah, um, you know, hopefully we can get in the building at some point. But bigger thing is everybody staying safe and hopefully reopening a little bit at a time. And, manage this thing and we can get back to some sort of normalcy, whatever that might be going forward. Amen. All right, dude. Well, let's do it again next week. This has been an in the Hey, seriously, if you're still with us, I want to know where were you when? Where were you when? WWYW.